You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pressure from the edge and a sack. Lawrence got him again. Play clock near one. Corner of the end zone. Lamb, one-handed try. He got it. Touchdown, Lamb. What a catch. Little stutter step move by Parsons. Jones fires, and the pass is intercepted by Diggs. He goes down, and the Cowboys think they've wrapped it up. Cowboys Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Writer's Block Podcast. I'm Jess, I'm here with Brandon, and we have a special guest today. You know him, you've heard him here on the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network before. That is Shane Carter from A to Z Sports Dallas. He's joining us here for this post-game recap. Keep in mind, we are recording this right after the game, so you are getting our fresh and raw reactions, people. There is plenty to talk about. But first, if you don't know who Shane is, first of all, you're living under a rock. Second of all, you need to know. And Shane, thank you so much for coming on here with us. Give us the rundown. First of all, how are you feeling? Second of all, tell the people who you are. And don't be humble. Brag about it for those that don't know. Oof. I feel like I just got a UFC intro. Are you Bruce Buffett? Damn, I feel I feel special. Good. I'm living under a rock. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm getting the role of treatment over here. No, like, like you said, this is my second time recording blogging the boys. The first time I recorded with Rab, uh, Danny, and uh, Connor Lizey when he was with y'all. Um, and I appreciate having me on. This is my first time being on y'all's show. Uh, yeah, as you said before, I am a writer over at A to Z Sports. Um, it's been over a year, I guess, a few weeks ago. It was my it was my one year with them. It's been a great great time to work with people like Mauricio Rodriguez, Skywalker Steele, Cole Patterson, Matthew Lennox, and our uh, our overall editor Evan Winter. It's been a, been a great uh, great challenge and a great opportunity for me because I've met and connected with a lot of people through that. I've really grown in the industry working with them. I've become really a much better writer. I look at my writing before then. And now, and how much it's improved. We're just working with those guys and, and really learning how to edit my own stuff. And since then, I've also been able to add on to my broadcasting career because, like, for those that knew me uh, before this, for two years, I uh, was a high school broadcaster with the, with, um, God, I can't, I can't remember the name of the company that I worked for, but <laughs> I'm sorry. But I, but I covered Texas high school sports, and now I get to do it on a, on a broader level with Vipe. And now they got me driving pretty much like, sometimes two or three times a week you hear my dog in the background two or three times a week around the state whether it's like in the dallas san antonio the uh austin houston area wherever high school games have been played i'll be there uh broadcasting one of the games not just football i'll also do volleyball i'll do a little bit of basketball this year it'd be a lot of fun and i'm just super i'm a lot more calm than you are jess because i know you were telling uh, us in the show break how much you were just like coming down from almost a heart attack i knew going in they're gonna win the game i really wouldn't sweat the giants i knew that they were a fraudulent two and oh uh, ask me again in a couple weeks when we play the Rams, but uh, I'm 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 real happy to be back. 
Well, you know what, Shane, we're so excited to have you. And this is a dog-friendly podcast. So I would just like to say, don't ever apologize for any dogs that decide to chime in. Brandon, how are you feeling? Because you and I were texting throughout that game, and that was a real high and low, high and low conversation we were having there. Well, and like Shane said, you know, there was the expectation that Dallas would win, but I didn't realize that it would be as much of a, you know, physical game. I mean, anytime the teams meet, you know, either up in New York or in Dallas, it's a physical fight and it's a fight to the very end. And it was the, you know, the same way tonight. And uh, yeah, I was, I was sweating and really it was just, I, I had confidence that they would win, but when it was so stressful with key certain points in the game where things weren't really going Dallas's way, I was like, man, are they really going to lose this game now to the Giants? And I, out of all the teams that were 2-0 going into week three, I really didn't think the Giants were a you know a legitimate 2-0 team. I talked about that. I appeared on a podcast earlier in the week that covered the Giants, and I said the same thing, too. I said the Giants, unfortunately, it, it's still the preseason you know, into September. The people on ESPN were talking about that in the pre-broadcast, how you know a team like the Broncos, they're still working out kinks, and they're a 2-1 team, but they still have a lot of things to work on. So I think the Cowboys, there were a lot of positive positives from tonight a lot of negatives that still need to be fixed and we'll certainly get into that but yeah I'm still coming down from the mild heart attack I had tonight and I'm sure everybody else feels the same way a little bit too <laughs> oh definitely that was that was intense and you know I I wanted to believe that the Cowboys could pull out a win I, I mean really if you're talking to a Cowboys optimist it's right here because at the end of the day they had everything they needed to win uh there goes my dog now he's um He's very excited for, for the Cowboys. But oh, is that Wit? Yeah, that's Wit. Wit's saying, <laughs> hey, guys, I'm right here. But uh, he's he's big. He's big. He's almost seven pounds already. So my big guy, Wit, over here, he's, he's hyped too. But, um, you know, I, I think really when it comes to something I will remember about this game, it's the Cowboys beat themselves. They're not getting beat. They beat themselves. And they do that. With penalties, you guys, I'm I'm gonna die on this hill. I swear. I hate the color yellow. They have forever scarred me from the color yellow. And I I think there's just so many opportunities. Even going back through my game notes, those penalties cost them the game and and uh, flags at, at some point. If if they don't choose to overcome them, right? So they can be very costly. And I think that's something we've said these gosh these first three weeks. And I'm so tired of talking about it, but this game seemed worse in the penalties department than it did last week. So seeing digression there really doesn't make me happy. And I, I think it comes down to continuously talking about that lack of discipline. And I just don't even know where you start as, as a coach, where do you start? It's on both sides of the ball here. And, and it's just, it's unacceptable things. It's it, a lot of rookie mistakes tonight, obviously, which we know we're going to see, but really, I, I think we all know the one that bothers me the most. And that was the Donovan Wilson unsportsmanlike conduct. If you know how the refs are officiating during the game and, and we saw it, the Cowboys are the ones playing the game. They know how the refs are going to call things. One, you should be a veteran enough to know you don't try them. And two, do not put yourself in the position to get a 15-yard penalty like that when you're in a position to put a big stop on the Giants. So that's really my my rant for the game because you know I hate those penalties. But other than that, a lot of really good things, a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of ugly. Guys, how are y'all feeling? Really, what stood out for you the most? 
Well, first of all, I want to address the penalty issue. I, th- I actually, um, you know, they did have eight penalties for, I believe it was 70 yards uh, penalties. And the Giants were like just under that, I think, but 58 uh, penalized yards. But what impressed me the most out of that was really like how they reacted to the penalties. Against Tampa, the penalties and the reaction to them really hurt the team as it went along, whereas this time we saw a little bit of growth. We saw them react to the penalties and really come back the next play and and uh, just basically do the same thing they did beforehand, but they still dominated. And I was really impressed with that because that in of itself shows growth. Yeah, they're penalized a lot, but how they reacted to it is is the sign of a, of a maturing team. We also got to show, uh, show a lot of love to our guy Cooper Rush, who was three and zero as a starter. He completed I believe sixty six percent of his passes. Again, he didn't throw he didn't throw a whole lot of deep passes except for obviously the the drop by C.D. Lamb in the second quarter. But he, he but he uh, other than that he was really efficient with the ball. C.D. Lamb, to his credit, had a great third quarter, which I think really kind of uh, made up for, like, really kind of like an average or even, like, below average game, especially from a number one wide receiver. He he, he finished up, I think, 80 uh, – I wrote it down. He finished up with 87 yards. 58 of them were, were on that drive, and, and especially he scored on. So, he, he obviously, that, that drop irritated him enough to, to really come back from that. And I know um, – and I know he's been he's been sort of like a, top, a topic of conversation for the Cowboys fans going into this year because all the pressure put on him after they uh, traded Amari, after they let Cedric Wilson walk in free agency, and after Michael Gallup ha- has yet to come back from his uh, his torn ACL. But I thought he showed up better in the second half than the first, and I thought that was like kind of the theme for the game was like how they started and how they finished was a was a recurring theme about that. They would they would just keep on moving forward. They keep um, recuperating themselves, so to speak, as opposed as opposed to just getting as opposed to going downward. Like in the Tampa game, they just kept they just kept uh, progressing as the game went along. Yeah, no, Shane brings up a great point, and I agree. I the one that sticks out to me in my mind was the Tyler Smith false start uh, penalty, and then immediately after he broke out on the outside and li- like literally just shoved a Giants defender all like probably ten yards back, and Zeke was able to run out to the outside for a huge gain because they were back up. Uh, I think it was like second and twenty, third and twenty, something like that. Um, so it was huge, uh, and like you said, the response. And, you know, the Dallas Cowboys roster is the fourth youngest in the league. And I think sometimes people forget that when all these penalties are happening. You, you have someone like a Sam Williams. It was an offsetting penalty, but you can't hit the quarterback as he's going out of bounds. It's just something that they teach you uh, at a very, very early age. But Kelvin Joseph had a huge penalty as well, too, the face mask penalty. So it's happening with the younger players. Um, of course, Donovan Wilson, I think that's just the emotion of the game. You can't do it. It's unacceptable. Um, but like you said, Shane, the response that the veterans had and the team as a whole – uh, yes, they still need to clean things up, but the response to it, it didn't let them hurt that uh, any momentum that they had too, too much. Um, the one other thing I would have to say about the penalties is the officiating, you know, for all the times Mike McCarthy was blaming the officials last season, I have to agree with him uh, tonight. The officiating was really bad on both sides of the ball, not only against the Giants on a lot of plays, but also against Dallas too. So they really do. I know Jess was talking about referees being held accountable a lot more. And Shane, I don't know how you think that referees should be ha- like held accountable um, for any like missteps that they have with officiating going forward. I don't know. I don't know how, how the league actually uh, handles officiating missteps as, as it goes, but I do know that a lot of times the punishment really comes in the postseason. Whenever the whenever the coaches and the staff are the ones who select, like, hey, this is the officiating crew that we want. We saw really the worst officiating crew in last year's Thanksgiving game against the Raiders. That was horrendous, and and I don't think any and and the Cowboys and I don't think they uh, that crew officiated a single game in the in the postseason. Now, that's a, that's a crew that's a, that's, a, that's been a problem. And so, like the the officials kind of punish themselves in that way because that's that's how they earn the extra money. That's how they earn the bonuses. The crews that are able to uh, 
officially in the postseason. Sorry, I'm looking at Wit uh, for the <laughs> listeners who can't see. Wit's on just as laughing. He's uh, so he's sorry. So <laughs> he's so distracting. He was being so loud. He he was just too excited to be. No, no. I, hey, pu- hey, this is dog friendly. Dog friendly. <laughs> <laughs> he, is he a, is he a dog or is he a D A W G dog? Oh well, he is named after after the goat, so I guess he's half D A W G and half goat. So well, there you go. I was, and I was gonna say it's a good transition because the one dog that we have to talk about is Demarcus Lawrence. Yes. Uh, oh, you know, who by and, the way just retweeted or quote tweeted LeBron James, who had tweeted Saquon is back, and he just quote tweeted it and put L. Yeah, yeah. Like, who knew one letter could just be so amazing? I will give the floor to Shane since you're the guest. We will, we will let it, you know, let it all out about Demarcus Lawrence. You go first. I mean, I don't know anyone who feels worse in the world right now than Evan Neal. (laughs) He 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 got worked all game long, and it wasn't just Tank. We didn't mind it was Micah Parsons over there who he had to hold him. We saw all those all those negligent holds on Micah trying on the outside. They would switch and put Sam Williams over there. Sam Williams actually got some pressure a few times, but obviously Daniel Jones is loose enough to to escape that pressure. But you know, Evan Neal for all the up and down play that we've report that we've uh, seen from him this past year, that's that's the thing is that he had he's had like like rookie moments. He's also had upside moments, which you get from rookie offensive linemen. We've seen it from Tyler Smith, but that he got worked tonight. And Tank Lawrence looked like the 2017, 2018, 2019 Tank Lawrence who was just dominating. He wouldn't even do anything any, anything uh, relatively flashy. He was just bullying the rookie. All it was, he ended up with three sacks, and that was when he got hurt, hurt in the third quarter. It wasn't a surprise when he ended up with four, one for every quarter. And I, th- I think what, what got lost in that was like how much pressure the defensive line, like really on the defensive line, the front seven, whoever was in the front seven on the rotation was again the backfield constantly. And I'm, I'm sure when we never get down to the countdown, we'll talk more about like who we thought was there. One guy who I saw constantly in the backfield, I don't know how y'all feel about thought about it, but our starting nose tackle Quentin Bohanna was kicking John Feliciano's on every single play he was putting that center in the quarterback's chest and if it was Eli Manning back there and said Daniel Jones he's on his ass at least seven times tonight I mean I do want to say that Tank did call Daniel Jones baby Eli in the locker room earlier this week so was he wrong no also wanted to point out about Bohanna he was questionable before the game keep in mind he really was such a key guy to have in this game so for the fact that he came back and ended up playing and made such an impact that's huge but as for Tank I think what we saw tonight was Tank really feeling the confidence and um, not to say that he hasn't right I I mean he's tank he's a locker room leader time and time again he doesn't have anything to prove to anybody but for some reason there was just an extra fire behind him tonight and I don't know exactly why or what it was maybe it's a rivalry game thing but he showed up and he was bullying bullying Daniel Jones I mean oh my goodness can can you imagine being Daniel Jones and just having tank on you like that wouldn't be me like no thanks also somebody that i wanted to mention donovan wilson despite the penalty that i'm absolutely mad at him for he had a great game like it's undeniable what a great game and what an impact he has become these last three weeks he's a guy that coming into the season nobody even really talked about too much he was somebody that i think was kind of under the radar um, this entire time. Wit is just going wild over here. He's like, yeah, Donovan Wilson. Um, and, you know, I think for somebody who really didn't even have his name thrown in the hat at any point for being a difference maker on this defense, he's come out these last three weeks and said, hey, guys, want to talk about somebody? It's going to be me. And, you know, he had nine tackles, two assists, and one sack against Daniel Jones. I mean, 
Well, and just the Giants offense in general, but to get your sack, good for you. Donovan Wilson, have yourself a night. Brandon, what are your thoughts? I mean, we can go on and on about this uh, Dan Quinn defense and just how elite it is, but I really want to hear your thoughts. Well, and, and don't forget the pass breakup that Donovan Wilson had on the crucial third down too, you know, and that was huge. And that led to the block punt, which then uh, Dorrance Armstrong, which is another guy, you know, like just you and I talked about, I think it was last week with, uh, with Brett Maher. We were like Dan Bailey, who, um, and now it's just like with someone like Dorrance Armstrong, we're like Randy Gregory, who, yeah. And, and believe me, Randy Gregory is a great player. I love him. And I wish Dallas was able to keep him. They'd be a better team with him. Uh, but to see someone like Dorrance Armstrong step up, like he, there were so many questions surrounding him and his role coming into the season. We thought, okay, Dante Fowler's coming in. He's going to be the pass rusher. Dorrance Armstrong is going to be the, the run stop guy. Uh, but Dorrance has showed up, you know, and shown out these, these first three weeks. And uh, he clearly like something is, I guess he's eating his Wheaties, you know, in the morning, something has happened and, and he's just changing something in his game, but the guy's standing out. And, and again, too, he had the block field goal. So it's not only on the defensive side of the ball, but also on special teams. And he showed that last season too. So uh, Shane, who's a defensive player for you that stood out on Dan Quinn's defense? Well, first, I wanted to add one thing to Donovan Wilson that we have to give him credit that after that first uh, drive in the third quarter, they started using him more as a spy, yep. sort of like sub linebacker look to, to avoid the Dale Jones running threat because that really gashed him in that first drive. And he and he stepped up and did a great job, took away the running threat, Dale Jones, forced him to give the ball to Saquon or forced him to throw the ball and they couldn't do it. So we got to give him a, lot, a shout out for that. On the defense side of the ball, you know, a player that I thought like looked really, really good. And I, I know... I know that like Trayvon Diggs is going to get a lot of love. He had those three pass breakups. He had the game winning interception. But uh, another player, kind of like Quinn Bohanna, who had a really like, like a, a not really talked about great game, but like just like showed up well on the tape, did all the things right. And that's like that. That's the former All Pro Anthony Barr. Whether he was asked to like cover out of the cover Saquon out of the out of the backfield, which he did. He did play coverage a lot, which I was surprised because I don't think he's really a guy who can cover anymore. Maybe once upon a time he was, but he also like when he was blitzing up the middle, whenever uh, Micah was playing out on the edge or as like a wide nine, he was a lot of times blitzing up the middle and getting pressure on Daniel Jones. He actually almost brought he he almost got a sack if Daniel Jones didn't didn't uh, give her that ball at the last second. I thought he did a real good job uh, really playing a sort of like a sub will Mike linebacker kind of hybrid player. He was pretty much like inside the entire game but it allowed Micah to really roam around the defense and that was really the whole reason that it brought him into the first place. And speaking of Micah, he was battling what they called an illness, a very bad cold. Um, and, and to me, I think it kind of showed oh, he, he was cold. a little bit more gassed than he usually does. But you know what? I, look, I'm feeling under the weather right now, and I can't even t say anything because he was still out there making things happen. Like, imagine Micah still able to be Micah having a cold because I can't even get off my couch without feeling like I'm going to pass out right now, much less running as much as Micah did and having an impact. And Micah was really putting the pressure on Daniel Jones and, Oh, you just love to see Micah, but somebody I really wanted to talk about, and I'm going to switch gears here. You mentioned former all pro. I'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball. And that guy had his, uh, you know, Cowboys debut tonight, a little guy named uh, Jason Peters, not so little, right? Uh, in at left guard, we finally have our answer, everybody. Tyler Smith is, in fact, the future at the left tackle position. So, one, we have that question answered that everybody's been wondering. Two, I don't think it's a coincidence by any means that the Cowboys run game got better when Jason Peters was in there. And guess who was running through the left side? 
um, maybe somebody named Zeke. Okay, here's the thing. His experience showed tonight over Farniak 100%. And that's not to knock Farniak. I think he had a decent game. He had a, what, uh, two flags that he had thrown at him. But at the end of the day, Jason Peters is Jason Peters. I think they need to utilize him while they have him because there's no guarantee that the Cowboys are going to have him pass this year. So even if it's an interchangeable thing, you know, at that left guard position, use him more. I get this week he wasn't going to get all 70-plus reps um, just because he's technically still in his ramp up, right? But imagine this was his first game. So imagine the impact this man is going to have in, like, a month. That is insane to me. Brandon, thoughts? I mean... I'm a big Jason Peters fan. It, it big, was, it, yeah, it was cool to see that um, when you could see that Tyler Smith was starting to get rattled, I think, by the crowd noise. And also, too, like, shout out to MetLife, like, on the Giants side, but also the Dallas side. Dallas fans were so loud tonight. It was awesome to see. I mean, hearing the, the broadcast, I was like, man, MetLife Stadium's rocking. I love it. Uh, but you could see that Tyler Smith was starting to get rattled, I think, a little bit when the pressure was on. And I just looked at one close shot of Peters. He's, he's basically coaching him while they're on the line walking up to the ball. And that's the experience that you get uh, with someone like Peters. And not only is he coaching him, you know, in the pregame and telling him what to do, but the fact that he's, he's an experienced guy right next to him, that's only helping his development moving forward. And that's the same thing like a Zach Martin effect we've seen also too with someone like a Terrence Steele and also a Tyler Biotish. When you have these two all pros basically in the center of your line, Everybody else around them is better. The communication's a lot better. And I noticed that, again, Peters, like the first play that he was in, Zeke's run, or Pollard's running up the field, you know, for, for a huge gain. So it's not a coincidence, like Jess said, the minute he's put in the game, things are a little bit different. Um, but another guy on the offensive side of the ball, um, and I'll let Shane talk about Peters if he wants to, but Noah Brown, again, is just stacking on good game on top of good game. The guy had the the catch. I don't know if it was on the first drive or the second drive, but he just pulled the ball right out of the air. He, he elevated. I was like, no way he's catching this ball, and he just pulled it right out of the air. Um, you know, the play on the goal line where Rush is rolling out to the right and nobody's kind of open. There's a guy in his face, and Brown's just kind of sitting right in the soft zone, and he just kind of falls forward up to the one-yard line to set up the Zeke touchdown. So he did a lot of great things right, and I think that he's a great complement for what they have in the wide receiver core. Uh, you know, Lamb is is pretty much a number one. I know there's questions about that, but when Gallup comes back, there's no question that um, that Noah Brown is the number three, if not number two, to allow Michael Gallup to get healthy for the next few weeks. Yeah, you got you can't really uh, you can't you can't ignore how great Noah Brown has been, especially. Because going in training camp, I, I considered him as a bubble player. I didn't know he'd be able to make the roster because they had drafted uh, Jalen Tolbert and they had uh, and and they, they brought back Simi Fajoko and I and I was wanting to see about his progression because he had had a really nice uh, had a really nice time in OTAs and so I thought Noah Brown was might have been like that seventh receiver, maybe that first guy out, but he. All the reports were he's in the best shape of his life and he's having the best camp of his life. And I said, okay, we've seen this before. But, yeah, he went out there and he showed it these last three weeks. He's had, I think he's averaged five catches a game. He has this, he has this clear connection with Cooper Rush, which is nice to see a couple of uh, late draft, undrafted guys just kind of like, like go along in their, in their career, like basically being nobodies on the Cowboys and finally getting their shot. And that's nice to see. Just brought up Jason Peters. And one thing I wanted to point out with the running game, I wrote this down. You know, you know, you know how many combined yards Rush and Zeke and Tony had today? 178. Do you know how many? How many you, you know how, how many yards per carry they had combined? Tell us. Six, six point four. 
6.4. That means every time they ran the ball, they were getting second and short first down, second and short first down just based on average. Tony Pollard was just running up and down. But Zeke, considering the amount of carries he had, he looked – he didn't have that same kind of kind of dash he used to have. But he's definitely developed more as like a reliable sort of like sort – sort of a power back. But it was also nice to see that, he, that uh, they weren't using Tony Pollard in pass protection. They really learned from that. Yeah. And, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and just and you know who else saw the offense for me is sort of like a like a two for one, and that's the tight ends, Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson. I was going to bring that up. I'm happy you did. Yeah, Jake yep, Ferguson. Jake Ferguson. Yeah, they looked like a younger Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin out there. Jake Ferguson was the reliable receiver. Peyton Hendershot was the dangerous receiver, but Jake Ferguson was having a great time blocking people. I saw him on one play, and I can't remember if it was Zeke or Tony that, was, that carried it, but it was in between uh, Zach Martin. And 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 uh, Terrence Steele, it was, it was a simple little dive play, and uh, and Jake Ferguson in line blocks the, uh, the the five technique blocks him into Terrence Steele, then he goes to second level, gets the linebacker, shoves him into the other linebacker, so he essentially blocks three guys on one play, and they get a first down on that run. And I can't remember, uh, I, can't, I can't remember if that was Tony or Zeke on that play, but I just remember like just how 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 you block three guys in one play and just like how dominant they looked, and that's a good move, that's a good look moving forward for this tight end because they run a lot of twelve and thirteen personnel tonight. Also, I want to point out that on third and goal for the Zeke touchdown, it was Ferguson with the block that allowed Zeke to go in and get that touchdown. So I love to see that. And yeah, you know what? I love to see a dynamic duo when it comes to the tight ends because it's important. And and I think they are two people that, again, have been being slept on and they have been disrespected by the past two offenses or uh, defenses, excuse me, that we've played because again, they're being slept on. And I think they came out, this was a statement game for the tight end group. And again, I just cannot wait to see the growth from this game. Brandon, I know you wanted to talk about this because we were texting about this as well. What are your thoughts on uh, both Hendershot and uh, Ferguson tonight. I call them the power twins. I, I mean, it, I just came up with that on, on my own because it just seems like by themselves, it, it's like they, they, they're they not like one has a better trait than the other, you know, like like Shane mentioned. Uh, Hendershot's the better catcher. He's the better receiver, but can't really block. And, you know, we saw that tonight. He had the penalty um, on, on a run on the outside. Just can't really handle it as much as a Ferguson, where Ferguson's a great blocker, also a very reliable catcher, but as an, isn't as dynamic. So the two of them together, I mean, you see that the stats, you know, between the two of them, they had five catches for about uh, about 56 yards. That's something like Dalton Schultz would be putting up if he was healthy tonight. So I think that they together make up what Dalton Schultz is. And it just gives me confidence that they're both rookies. You know, they're going to be with this team for at least four years uh, if they stay healthy and they keep under contract. And so it's just if you do lose Dalton Schultz in the offseason or if you don't want to franchise tag him and, and you can't get a long-term deal, then I feel very confident on a game like tonight where, yes, they had mistakes. They had key penalties. Uh, Ferguson didn't. He went out of bounds on the final drive and didn't get the clock uh, going. So, you know, he tried hurdling a guy. I think he saw a Hendershot do it, and he was like, oh, I want to do this too. Uh, you know, so it just – there are some growing pains, but it's almost like trial by fire. Like you have to get in the game at some point, and if you're going to do it, do it against the Giants at MetLife. It's almost like a learning experience, which, again, Tolbert was active for the first time all season. He was active. You know, there was a deep shot down the sideline. He had a, a, a really nice play over the middle um, tonight uh, to get a catch. But, you know, there's still growing pains. And I think that you throw him out week three. Okay, he has a little bit of time to get acclimated into the offense. 
Now let's see what we have in someone like him and if they if he can supplant someone like a James Washington when he comes back. Something I wanted to ask you guys about was um, Mike McCarthy is going to get, I think, grilled this week for some of his coaching decisions during this game, one of which being uh, we are right before the half. It's fourth and two. Giants have the ball. Dallas takes a timeout here, and I was confused. Um, why? Because the Giants were scrambling at this point. They weren't – I don't know. I, I just don't understand why Dallas takes the timeout there it gives them more of a chance to get that first down on a fourth and two. Um, and it just seemed, it just seemed really weird because then they get the ball back. Okay. The Cowboys first and 10, uh, there's a pass to semi Fioco. Another timeout was called before might I add, it looked like semi could have had an incomplete catch here because I didn't think it was a catch. However, not the point we're moving on another first and 10 cent after semi gets that first down uh, Brett Maher goes for the 59-yard field goal, which he misses, which I'm not mad about if anybody's wondering. We're still best friends. Um, it, this whole, this whole, what was it, like 30 seconds just seemed like something out of the twilight zone for Mike McCarthy. I, I know a lot of people are not a fan of his calls. It's just, it seemed like almost a rookie mistake of Mike McCarthy to be calling that touch uh, that uh, timeout, first of all. And then it was a high risk, low rewards scenario. I, for the amount of times I saw that uh, statement on Twitter, I, I mean, man, I, I'm tired of reading it already. But what was y'all's thoughts on that? Because really, I wasn't surprised uh, that that field goal was missed. I really wasn't. I mean, at some point, Brett Maher can't save the game every single time when you're just relying on him. And at this point, the Cowboys had yet to score a touchdown in the game. So what are y'all's thoughts on this? Because Twitter was going crazy over this specific chunk of the game. You know, I, I tweeted out also that I didn't I didn't like I didn't understand it either because the offense was the one that was confused. Like Daniel Jones was trying to like call out assignments. He was looking around to his offensive line. I thought maybe the Giants were to call a timeout if anything. But instead Mike McCarthy kinda let him off the hook until obviously the pass breakup. But you know, I, again, like clock management and like uh, time timeouts and stuff like that has been like one of the biggest criticisms of Mike McCarthy in his time in Dallas. So this is really nothing new we hadn't come to we hadn't come to expect from him. I mean, to, to his credit, he's done better of late, but that's still one of those things that's kind of nagging him in the, in the back, in the back, in the back of people's minds. And so, the only thing I can think, those, the only thing I could think, why they did that would have been that maybe the defense was also confused; they weren't getting lined up, and they wanted to make sure that the best possible play available to make sure that the assignments were clear, and that. And it didn't look like that looking at looking at the wide shot because to me the defense lined up immediately. Look at they knew what they were doing, unless that wasn't what they were supposed to do. That's all I can figure is that the defense was confused on what the call actually was and where they needed to go, and they wanted to, and they wanted to like you know, like take a deep breath and, and uh, go over the exact the exact play they wanted to run. But other than that, I I agree with Jess that I don't really understand why you almost let him off the hook there and could have set him up for the Giants to kick it mobile. Yeah, there, there were a couple times where I thought clock management was an issue, kind of like what you were saying, Shane, about this confusion in the first quarter. I wrote down at the end of the first quarter, Dallas is confused. Dorrance Armstrong is starting to like run off the field, and he's like, wait, no, I'm supposed to be on the field. And 
the Giants, they were going up-tempo the whole game, which I think, you know, if looking forward, that's sort of Dallas's defense's kryptonite, you know, this up-tempo offense. It sort of can tire them out a little bit. Um, and you, we kind of saw a fatigue on the Barkley run that, that scored a touchdown. But, um, you know, there was clear confusion on the defense. And instead of calling a timeout, they run a ball, uh, run Barkley up the middle. And luckily it wasn't for a long game, but clearly that could have been a huge disaster. And then another thing that I had even before that fourth down, like weird situation with the Giants um, to set up the Brett Maher 59-yard field goal, the drive before that, Dallas is marching up the field and they just had a long run and everybody is clearly gassed on the field. All the Cowboys players are just exhausted. And you could see that when Pollard ran to the left, like Peters and even Smith, they just kind of fall down and Pollard falls on top of them for no gain back to the line of scrimmage. I'm like, you guys got to call a timeout here. Like, what are you doing? And they didn't. They just let the clock run. They're kind of just going through their offensive motions. And then they had a third down call. Uh, it backed them up. And then they had to kick or they had to punt the ball. So it's like you were, you had all some momentum going forward on this drive. But instead of calling a timeout, which they had three at that point, by the way, it's like, well, you can't bring them in, in halftime with you. You're not going to get six, you know, when you come out of halftime. And they just decided, you know what, we're just going to keep rolling, keep the Giants on their toes. But in, in fact, it actually shot Dallas in the foot and hurt them. And they had to punt the ball instead of getting a field goal that was a little bit more manageable than a 59-yard field goal. So clock management, still an issue. Um, not the biggest concern. Like I said, uh, you know, we could talk about before we get to our top 10 players, issues we have going forward, looking ahead to the weeks ahead, what can kind of plague this team. I wrote down that if, if Dallas is going to let someone like Daniel Jones run for 79 yards, Dallas is going to have a, a huge issue when they play the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Uh, that was sort of something I noticed. Like, and I understand they probably were like, hey, if we're going to lose this game, we'd rather prefer Daniel Jones beat us with his legs and we have trust in our pocket, uh, you know, and, and the front seven that we have. Um, but at the same time, he was getting about 8.8 .8 yards per carry. I mean, the guy was running a lot and it was juking guys out. Jalen Hurts is a much better athlete. So, Shane, I'll start with you. I don't know if you think that the quarterback spy thing is something that Dallas should do, like they corrected with Donovan Wilson, or do you think that they are going to have problems with the sort of quarterback run moving forward? Well, to be fair, when J-Ron Kirsch is there, he sort of plays that spy role as, when he plays in the star, when they, when they run a big nickel. So, the, so typically they would have that guy, but since he's been out of there, they've had him run a lot more traditional four-lineman, four, uh, two-linebacker looks. They've run a lot more regular nickel. And this time, if you noticed, uh, after, after halftime, they ran a lot of single high free safety, a lot of man coverage on the outside, and they said, and they said, uh, Donovan, you're really just going to like key in on on Daniel Jones, and that's about it. Like that, it was very simple, but it was like what they had to do moving forward. And I think, and I think once they get cursed back, it'll allow them to do a little bit more because they run a lot of six uh, defensive backs. I mean, they call it big nickel. Really, it's just a modified dime look, but no one wants to call it that. But it's fine. Um, if if I was thinking about anything moving forward, that I really, I really want this team to look to look at and. It's, we talked, and it's going to go back to what Jess brought up about Jason Peters, about how they want to about how they want to see the offensive line, how how it's going to look going forward. A lot of people are talking about their best five, and I really don't want them to do what they did last year. They did that rotation with, and I don't know if I can say that word on here, with Connor McGovern and Connor Williams at left guard and Terrence Steele and, and Leo Collins at right tackle, and all it did was like disrupt the continuity. And continuity on the offensive line is something that Mike McCarthy. And Kellen Moore and Joe Philbin have all been preaching really since March. And so once they decide that Jason Peters is good to go, they need to make a decision right then and there. Is Jason Peters our best option at left guard? If so, 
tell Matt Farnack you're going back to the rotational interior guy because he's actually done well considering like what he is and where he is in his development. I thought he's actually been solid considering like what what like like what you take you have to take for granted like who who he is as a player in his second year. I thought he's been decent at best. But Jason Peters, if he's still playing like he did, because he, he was out there for two drives. He looked pretty good for two drives. If he is one of their best five, he needs to be the starter moving forward. They can't be doing this rotational stuff. They can't be, like, playing six offensive linemen. I mean, if they want, they give up Farnack as a fullback, fine. They can they can do the big fullback. That's fine. But they need to go ahead and decide right here, right, right then and there, if is Peters our best option at guard? If so, he, he needs to be the guy. They can't do this rotation stuff again, especially not the way the offense has been looking despite the fact that Dak Prescott's out. I think the rotation is fine while he's still ramping up, right? I, I think in the meantime, it's okay. But in the long run, I agree. I think a decision needs to be made. And from really a football standpoint, is there really a decision to be made? Let's be honest with it. You're talking about Jason Peters, right? But I, I think something that concerns me is the lack of fundamental football. And here we go. My favorite terms, I swear. Uh, somebody should keep track of how many times I say these things a week. But CD with the drop. And and I know he he came back. He made up for it with that beautiful one-handed left catch in the, in the end zone. I know that. But that drop, had he not made that touchdown later on in the game, could have been costly. And it could have ended up losing the Cowboys a game. I, I mean, at the end of the day, you cannot be making those kind of mistakes. And they're just ugh, all around. The penalties are silly mistakes. The drops. I mean, every mistake that you saw the Cowboys make goes back to fundamental football. Um, and I, I think it, it's really just, it needs to be cleaned up. So back to what Brandon said earlier, it's September football. You're going to see those kind of things. As long as CD can clean up, clean that up and uh, respond like he did with that touchdown catch, okay but he's lucky he made that touchdown catch because he made a lot of people a lot of people eat their words after he dropped that pass a lot of people were questioning his role as wide receiver one and you know what i I think he showed us tonight he has that fire behind him and i'm excited for him get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, let's get into our countdowns because I have a feeling uh, I'm going to throw some curveballs at y'all and I'm hoping y'all throw some curveballs at me for our top 10. So Brandon, you're always the best at introducing our power rankings. So I'm going to pass the torch to you because I just feel like you moderate this the best way. Like this is your thing. You're amazing at it. This is all you 
take it away. Oh, man, I, I love the hype. Uh, I know Shane mentioned it earlier. The hype that Jess has given is just unreal. I appreciate it. Uh, but again, like always, you know, we're going to go down by three. Uh, we'll mention, go all the way to number one, kind of debate, see where everybody's at. Uh, if we do have different names, I, I think that like we mentioned week one, it's, it is very tough to kind of pull uh, names when it's a loss, but in a game like tonight where there was just a lot of, you know, just punches being thrown by everybody. I think it's it's pretty easy to to pull some ten names, and they might be different, but they should be the same ten. Literally, punches being thrown. Oh yeah, I just want to say uh, that literally punches being thrown. Well, and even at the end just of the game, say. did you see that that they were just yeah starting to get, yeah tussling in the middle? I was like, man, this is crazy. Uh, but yeah, at number ten, nine, and eight. I have Trayvon Diggs. I think if you have the game ceiling interception, he wasn't, he was so close to one early on in the game and I thought he had it, but just went right through his hands. Uh, He was getting banged up all night and I I liked his fight. I liked his spirit. Um, Donovan Wilson, I have at number nine. Uh, Jess might think he's a little too low, but again, he had that pretty nasty, uh, you know, uh, penalty that kind of knocked them down a few pegs for me. And then number eight, I put uh, Michael Jordan, I mean, Micah Parsons uh, in there because, you know, <laughs> I guess we can call this the flu game, right? I mean, he was drinking Pedialyte, I guess, as he was walking in, you know, into the tunnel, but uh, yeah, he had his pillow ready. I yeah. mean, whatever works for him, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm just shocked to say that there's a week that you don't have him as number one. I, and That's, again, the, I'm just shocked. The, the pure hate, and, and even LP was saying this last week too, it's like you can't. On a game like tonight, there there were a lot of players who just outperformed Parsons, and that's nothing against Parsons. The guy was just he was sick. He he didn't practice all week. But like just mentioned in the beginning, if that's if that's Micah where he doesn't practice and he's sick and not healthy at like fifty percent, I will take that every single week. And anything above that is just at an all pro level. So I, I'm giving him his flowers. Uh, but those are my bottom three. I got Trayvon Diggs, Donovan Wilson, Micah Parsons. Shane, I'll throw it to you. Who you got? Okay, so some of the same names. Uh, number 10, I had C.D. Lamb, but it's mostly just because of his third quarter on that one drive. Other than that, he had a subpar game. He really should have had two touchdowns. We all saw it. He, he dropped a wide-open uh, pass across the, across the middle, which he, he, he should have had, had the best game of the season. Let's, let's just call a spade a spade. Number nine, I had Peyton Hendershot. It was really nice to see like his his second gear as a, as, a, as a pass catcher. Like you said earlier in, in the show, he ain't the greatest blocker. That's how Jake Ferguson for but as a pass catcher, he was actually really nice to see it. He had three catches for 43 yards. Really nice debut from him as like sort of like a sub starting tight end. And number eight, I had Trayvon Diggs, just because of the three pass breakups, the game win interception, and really like if he didn't ha- if he didn't take that one chance to try and get the interception in the third quarter, and it ends up with a first down instead for Sterling. I think it was Sterling Shepard. Like other than that, he had a really clean, really really well covered game. He he's been really done a great job in coverage this year. And that was really just like sort of a continuation of it. It's just that one time he like got, he was getting a little like a half second too, too handsy and he just barely missed that, that first interception. So that's my, uh, that's my 10, nine, eight. Well, mine is like a little bit of a mixture between both of y'all. Uh, so my number 10 was Diggs. I, again, he closed the game out with the most beautiful bow on top that Cowboys Nation could ever want, right? But it wasn't his best game either. There was a couple of times where he should have had more interceptions. Uh, the ball went right through his hands at one point. You literally see the ball go through and he was a second too late. But look, he still had a great game. I think this is just the start of the uh, Trayvon Diggs interception show when it comes to any quarterback that's facing him now. So keep an eye on that. Number nine, I had Peyton Hendershot, uh, AKA Jason Witten look like tonight. There was just one play specifically where he was like running a little bit slower. And I was like, is that 
is that a young Jason Witten I'm looking at right now? What is going on? And of course, my dog being named Wit was like, what would you say? I'm like, not talking about you. But anyways, um, Peyton Hendershot, I, I think you nailed it on the head, Shane. Like, you couldn't ask for a better debut for this guy. And he's a rookie. We get more years of this guy Everybody should be excited for that alone. Number eight, I had Micah. And to be honest, I never thought I'd see the day where he was this low on my list either. Um, but you know what? Giving credit to him where credit to do, he was still producing even though he was sick. You can just tell he was gassed. I mean, even in the first quarter, man was gassed. He was not feeling well, you could tell. But even uh, at his, I'm not even going to call this his worst, right? At his worst, if that's what you want to say, he still produced. So um, I have him at number eight because he still really went out there. He tried. Uh, man, drink your Pedialyte, get some rest. Please be healthy by next week. We need you at full speed lion power. So, Brandon, we are going to the next three, seven, six, and five. Who you got? At seven, I have Noah Brown. Again, I mean, the guy's just been dominant. Uh, you know, week one, he had a pretty good game, but week two and week three, he's been the dude. So, I got to show him some love. Number six, again, I mentioned it before, Dorrance Armstrong. I thought that the block field goal was huge. Um, just to think about at that point in the game, you know, the momentum was kind of swinging in the Giants' favor, but the fact that he was able to do that, get the the ball back to Dallas I thought that was great and again you know he's just a force and he's very uh he has great moves I think it, like he's not going to be the strongest guy but he's pretty like, he knows how to finesse his way to a couple sacks which I like and appreciate and number five I have Zach Martin and I know that you know the guy I, I look at him not only as the great job that he did tonight but I also look at he has been the leader outside of someone like a Joe Philbin he's been a coach to these guys uh, through three weeks to say, you know what, we have a you know patchy offensive line. I'm the guy who's been here the longest. Let me try and help people out and be a leader of the group. They have two sacks through the past two games. You know between tonight and the last game. I mean, it's unbelievable to see that type of production from this offensive line that we thought going into the season was going to be a disaster. Uh, and Jason Peters wasn't even a part of it until tonight. So that's the crazy part. So I got to give some love to Zach Martin as well, too. Shane, who you got at 7, 6, and 5? Okay, so 7, a guy I mentioned earlier, Quentin Bohana, he was constantly in the backfield. He was making the interior rounds of line look just just – mediocre is probably too good of a word, but I mean, he, he, like you said, he wouldn't even know he's going to play, but he played, he played his like, and this might be light. He played his off. Cause he, he's got a lot of it. Let's just be real. He was, he was putting John Feliciano in the backfield further than what was Zay, more Saquon Barkley was lining up. Number six, I got the same guy, Dorrance Armstrong, that sack and those, and those couple of tackles in the backfield and that blocks field goal. It's, and a lot of times football is a game, not necessarily of inches, but of missed opportunities. And that blocked field goal, those three points were a bigger difference than people realize. And number five, I went to another tight end, Jake Ferguson. I was so impressed with him as a blocker. And really, he was an effective receiver. He was open when he needed to be open. He didn't have that second gear that Hendershot has, but he has really good hands. We've known that. And, you know, the only knock that I had, I had against him was that third down play after the two-minute war where he went out of bounds instead of, like, just going down and it saved, and it saved the Giants one extra drive where it's a little more time they probably needed. That was my only real knock on him. I was just so impressed with him as a blocker and really stepping in as that tight end one for Dalton Schultz. And I think he's only going to get better from here. You love to see it. All right, number seven, I had Jason Peters because 
this was only his first game. We didn't expect to see him out there the entire game, but what we did see, it was promising. And it really shows why he needs to be in that O-line when he is fully healthy, healthy, I say lightly because he's still ramping up technically. And when he's fully ready to do that, because I think part of that goes back to, obviously he has the football skill to be at left guard. We are aware of that, but it goes beyond that. I think having the guy that's coaching you being Tyler Smith, uh, you know, having Jason Peters, who's essentially been key and vital in coaching Tyler Smith throughout this transition period for him next to you. I think that does something for your, you know, your, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, your, your morale, your, your hype up, whatever you want to call that. I think it makes your left side of the O-line stronger when Jason Peters is in. So I'm going to give that to Jason Peters. Number six, I had Tony Pollard. Uh, Tony Pollard looked good tonight. And, and I think uh, this is one of those games where it's, it's a week of discussing this game where we're going to hear, oh, Zeke is washed up. Oh, Tony Pollard running back one because he had a great game, right? So I'm going to give Tony Pollard uh, that next spot because he had 13 carries, uh, 105 yards rushing, an average eight point one yards with those rushing uh with a with the rush I, I mean my goodness what else could you want what else could you want that's just ugh, beautifully done uh number five i had cd because yes we were all mad at him about the drop like you said shane he should have had two touchdowns it should have been his game it should have been his night but it wasn't here's the thing i'm gonna go back to what i said earlier he learned from his mistakes he did not drop a ball uh, again in that position. He, I mean, he had one drop, but it was not as vital as the first one, right? And he got his touchdown. And I just love the fashionable catch with the left hand, a left hand touchdown right in the corner. Uh, just that, that kind of catch speaks on his skills and his awareness when it comes to being a wide receiver. I'm going to give CD credit because a lot of people were so quick and they're always so quick to count him out and they shouldn't be. Still September. It's still early on. Should he have dropped that ball? No. But at the end of the day, I'm going to bet we don't see him drop another one like that the rest of the season. I, that's a bold statement, but I mean it because CD is the kind of guy that you light that fire under his butt. He's not going to stop. And I think we saw a glimpse of what CD can be with that one-handed catch. I'm not going to let him be defined by that drop. So my number five was CD. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying because I think that I had CD at five, but then I crossed him out. I put Zach Martin in because I just, like I said, I love the offensive line and what they're doing right now. But I think building momentum is huge in this game. And for him to kind of be able to have his first touchdown, it's almost like, all right, let's rip the Band-Aid off. He has it now. Now he can keep building on that progress, I think is great for him. Uh, number four, I had Cooper Rush. I mean, the guy last week in the in the post game, I think one, I forget if it was Mike McCarthy or somebody, they said that the guy just has low blood pressure. I'm like, well, isn't that like a bad thing? Don't you want your guy to be healthy? But the guy is just so calm. Nothing rattles him. The crowd was just so loud, like I said before. And like, he never looked phased. The guy looked so poised in the pocket and he, he was uh sidestepping guys when rushers rushers were in his face and the guy's just been great and i i said in my prediction for the uh you know for the writers predictions for blogging the boys i said the way that this game's going to come down to is which quarterback's going to make the first mistake and the only mistake and daniel jones was the guy to do it on the final drive cooper rush made no mistakes tonight he was throwing the ball he threw it deep twice to cd lamb uh you know jalen tolbert and i thought that that both of them were good passes. It's it just he looked great and poised, and I love to see that. And now he's 3-0, which is awesome for him. Uh, 
Number three and number two, I had both running backs. I had Tony Pollard and Elliott. I gave Elliott a little bit more credit just because, again, he scored the touchdown. And he looked angry. Like, that was an angry Zeke when he scored the touchdown. And I love to see that, you know, showing the effort, lowering the shoulder. And he did that a couple times tonight. But Tony Pollard, again, just being so elusive and just it's great to see. And, you know, Shane brought it up earlier that maybe Elliott doesn't have the burst like he used to. But I think he's kind of full, like falling into this Mark Ingram type role where Mark Ingram's kind of getting older in his age and he's just a thumper. And again, New Orleans had such success a couple of years ago with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. And I think you have that here in Dallas. Uh, it's been thrown out a couple of times. Uh, I forget who said, I think it might've been Calvin Watkins or Clarence Hill. They said that this duo is dying and dash. And I love it. I love the name. Um, so I'm going to keep going with that moving forward, but I have Cooper rush, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott as four, three and two. Okay. Number four, I think is his best game so far. Hopefully more of this. And that's rookie Tyler Smith. I saw the way he and uh, Jason Peters uh, split the Red Sea on that first play together, and, and Tony Pollard got that, what was it, 20, I guess, like a, no, sorry, it was like a 46-yard run off the left side. They kept running to the left side because they couldn't do nothing. Tyler Smith was handling it, uh, it was Aziz Ojolari in the running game all night long. And the past game, I thought he actually he did a better job holding up against one of the premier pass rushing rookies. You know, if, uh, if Micah Parsons doesn't exist, Aziz Ojolari might have been the, the defensive rookie of the year last year but he was just so under the radar after that. People don't realize how good Aziz Ojalar really is on that side. And I thought, and you know, he did have that penalty. Penalties are going to, are going to be a thing with Tyler Smith because that was a thing for him at Tulsa. That's one of those things you just have to live with because you can live with the negative like that with the positives you see in the running game, you see in the passing game. He's just so powerful and so strong and so physical at the point of attack that you're willing to like, deal with this one negative for all this upside that he has out there. And I wanted to eat crow and say that I was wrong and that he wasn't ready to play left tackle. He's been maybe their best offensive lineman up to, uh, after, after three games. Uh, number three, Tony Pollard, our guy TP just mentioned 8.1 yards per carry. And what's crazy is that Zeke actually had a really good game and with 4.9 yards per carry and, and that touchdown but like it was just overshadowed because Tony Pollard was just gashing dudes. Whether and it wasn't necessarily just on the edge. He wasn't just doing simple outside runs. He was running up the middle too, and that ain't really what he's known for. And it, I really like to see the fact that it was a 15-13 split carry uh, car, uh, carry difference between the two. That's the real balance. Really wanted to see. And Tony and I and I, I think moving forward, that's really how it needs to look. You can still give Zeke the bulk of the carries, but Tony needs more and more touches. And number two. Um, was a guy that y'all I think y'all had too low, and that's a guy who may have been the best defensive player on the Cowboys, except for Micah Parsons through three weeks, and that's Donovan Wilson. He has been not only there that most he's he leads the team in tackles. He had that pass breakup, and also I mentioned after that nasty, after that really ugly start started the third quarter drive where they scored a touchdown. They said, "Hey, Donovan, Jaron Curse ain't gonna be here. We need you to spy this guy. Just like just." Do that. Just spy him. And he did it all like the, from, from the game on. And Daniel Jones wasn't as much of a factor after that. He was like in the backfield. He was in coverage. He was making tackles. Donovan Wilson is having the type of season we expected from him after 2020 when he has sort of like that breakout end of the year with him. And he's really playing really playing up, up to uh, up to par with what we expected Jerron Curse and all them to be. So I think Donovan Wilson was the second best player out there tonight. Okay, I would like to point out, I have a little honorary mentions tab when I do these lists. He was on it, and my note says, Donovan Wilson would have made it, but that unsportsmanlike conduct is ridiculous. That's and petty. That's <laughs> petty. I'm going to be petty. I'm saying And disrespectful. It's Jesse, not disrespectful. You work for the team. <laughs> 
<laughs> Here's the thing. It's not disrespectful because I can't sit there and get mad at Mike McCarthy for not making these calls. Like, I know the first week uh, Tyler Smith had what, two or was it Tyler Smith? No, it wasn't Tyler Smith. It was um, who had the back-to-back or triple penalties in the first That was a steal. Yeah, Terrence Steele. Terrence Steele. Thank you. Remember, I sat here and I said, Mike McCarthy should have benched him. Okay, look, I'm keeping that same mindset here with saying, Donovan Wilson, you had a BS penalty that you know better for, and I'm going to hold you accountable. So you don't get to make it on my top 10 list this week. I hope you prove me wrong next week, and I hope you're up there in my top three. But this week, you're just not. I'm so mad at him for that. And, and, you're, and, and you're a big fan of his, too. So this is no joke. This is, this is a big deal no, for you. I, I've <laughs> been rooting for him. I, I've mentioned him every week. Every week. I mean, we're only three games in. But I've Jane. mentioned him. Go ahead. Tell Jane. Go <laughs> go tell Jane. Jane will be so happy for me because I have oh, she's like a long eight, one I have eight pages worth of notes to talk about here on Girls Talk, Boys Talk. But anyways, Donovan Wilson did not make my list. Anyways, uh, we are at what? Four, three, two? Is that what we're on now? Okay. Yep. I get on my rants and I really lose track of this. Okay. Number four. I had a guy that neither of y'all have mentioned yet. That's D-Law. And I think that's because he's a little higher on y'all's list here. At least I'm hoping. But I don't know. D-Law, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, ooh, that sounds like a curveball. Okay. Well, here's the thing. D-Law just had a game. And we talked about this, um, you know, earlier. Three sacks. How can he not be high on this list? I mean, he was putting on the pressure on Daniel Jones. He was saying, I'm here. And I'm here to bully you. Like, he was straight disrespectful to Daniel Jones. And I love to see it. I'm not complaining. That tweet... Also, just you love that L tweet. But um, I had him at four. And given I was a little worried with that foot injury that took him out for a minute, also the resilience to come back into the game, I love to see that too. So D-Law is my number four. Number three is Jordan Armstrong because y'all mentioned him way at the bottom of your list, but he's had himself a game. I mean, that blocked field goal in the first quarter set the tone. I think that set the tone early, and I think that's something that's so rare uh, when it comes to football is blocked field goals. And I think anytime a player can be so close to getting one, he's been he has been itching to get a blocked field goal for a minute, okay? And people are really overlooking that. So the fact that he's been so persistent these last three weeks, he got it. I expected C.J. Goodwin to have one at some point, but, you know, you love to see it too. Anyways, uh, Dorrance Armstrong, three. Uh, number two, Noah Brown because it's Noah Brown, this guy. I am so proud of Noah Brown. I just want to get on this soapbox and I want to scream to the mountaintops. He is somebody that people have counted out time and time again. And here he is giving CD a run for that wide receiver one spot, given we know Washington's still out, given we know Gallup is is, going to be back probably next week. But He's giving even the veteran wide receivers a run for their money with his performance these last three weeks, and he's getting better and better and better. Now, what I worry about here is he has a great chemistry with Cooper Rush because they get a lot of those reps together. Uh, We saw that during the preseason. We saw that during training camp. I wonder what his productivity is going to look like when Dak steps in, and I hope it is just as consistent. But it's a real thing to bring up, um, you know, in the wake of everything, Just something I want to bring up for future reference here. However, Noah Brown, you are incredible. I hope your pillow is cold tonight. I hope you eat your favorite meal. And I just hope you have the best day because you absolutely deserve it. Our our sweet prince. Like, what else can I say about Noah Brown? He had an incredible game tonight. So he's my number two.
it, it's the little things. The the cold pillow really does go a long way for a good night's sleep. I have to say that's 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 <laughs> it does well deserved. It does. Uh, my number one, the the hot boys are back. Demarcus Lawrence, he's my number one. I have to like the guy. You know, as great as Micah was last week. Demarcus Lawrence had the same type of production. He was all over the place. And even when he wasn't getting sacks and he had like two or three close ones where he should have had Daniel Jones. So he might've had a five sack night if it wasn't for, you know, him eluding Demarcus Lawrence, but the guy was in the backfield. And even with an injury in the second half, the guy was still putting pressure on the offensive line. I just thought he had a great, great game. And to see that in the off season, again, back in May, everyone was like, Mike is going to be the best pass rusher on the team. And D-Law was like, wait, I'm still here. You know, and he restructured the contract. He wanted to be with the Cowboys. And he's like, listen, uh, I'm using this as my fuel to be uh, super competitive. And he showed that tonight. And he's one away from Micah at four. And just to see that there's this competitive spirit between the defensive line. The, I think the Cowboys lead the NFL in sacks right now. Uh, it, it's just great to see. And and uh, he's the catalyst for it. So, like I said, Hot Boys are back. He's my number one. Yeah, who else is going to be number one? It was obviously Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence, he left the stadium, and Dale Jones' fingers were in his belt loop. That's how much he owned him all game long. For those that don't know, y'all, the Google's, Google's out there. I ain't going to explain what that means. Um, but no, Demarcus Lawrence, he looked like the Demarcus Lawrence we, we've known and we've known to love. And and it's, it was so exciting to see him and Dorrance and all those guys get after the quarterback. We, we talked about going into the year. Um, that Micah Parsons was going to elevate everybody else on the team because he was going to be the catalyst for this pass rush. And, it's, and so far, it's become it's come true. And Demarcus Lawrence had almost a career night in sacks. If he doesn't get hurt in the third quarter, I think he has at least another sack in, in the fourth quarter. And just to touch on the Dorrance Armstrong thing you talked about, the blocked field goal, he is now, and I looked this up, he is now the only active player in the NFL with a blocked punt and blocked field goal in their career Ooh. in the NFL. Oh, yeah. You love it. Yeah, yeah. I just had to throw that out there as well. But, yeah, Tank was the best player on the field tonight. All right, I'm not going to disagree defensively. He he absolutely was. However, oh here we go. <laughs> however, everybody, here's my curveball because that would have been the obvious choice to have at number one. It's the right choice. It, look, I'm not going to agree with you there because here's the thing: this is the second week in a row Cooper Rush came out to do exactly what he was supposed to do. Cooper Rush is my number one, and. I let me let me clarify. I'm not saying he's quarterback one forever. What I'm saying is Cooper Rush has officially given you the padding you need to get a healthy Dak Prescott back on the field, fully recovered and healthy Dak Prescott. No more talk about rushing Dak in prematurely. That conversation is put to bed. And that is my biggest concern right now is getting Dak back fully, fully, keyword fully healthy, fully recovered. He got his stitch out of his thumb. You know, we know that. So Dak is on track to make his return. But what I was worried about was you bring Dak prematurely. You bring him back prematurely, he gets re-injured, and then what? Right? So I'm giving, I'm giving Cooper Rush this because he played nearly a perfect game. And for a backup quarterback, what more could you want? What more could you ask for? I think people are so quick to count him out time and time again. And you know what? I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I think he is exactly what you need in a second-string quarterback, your backup, backing up Dak. The respect that this team has for Cooper Rush is obvious. The chemistry he has with the offense is there. And I think I've said since week one, that was going to go, or since uh, week one of Dak being out, that was going to go far. However, I will say there was a couple of mistakes he made, overthrown passes, targeting issues. He played a nearly perfect game. My biggest relief is that we officially have that padding 
for a full recovery from Dak Prescott and we're not like holding on to the edge of our seats every time Cooper Rush is playing. He's calm, he's composed. I'm giving it to Cooper Rush because this guy, he has done everything he needs to do while Dak has been out. And I am just so excited for him. I want to call him the uh, the gingerbread man because his play has been so sweet. Yeah. So we got the- I love that. We, we, I love that so much. We have the power so twins much. and we have the gingerbread man. So you could, by all means, steal it. I'll trademark it, but we could share the royalties on that. <laughs> I love that. I want to call buttons. I love that. Just I want to call. Quick. I want to call him Rushmore because he is huge right now. Oh, I love that. I love that too. Ooh, <laughs> y'all are really, really creative with these things. And again, it's it's another week we're gonna hear of should Cooper Rush be the starter? I'm sick of that conversation. I'm not entertaining it because we know the answer is no. I'm not even entertaining it. Whether it comes from any person. Uh, you know what I'm alluding to, no matter who it comes from, I'm not entertaining it. And that's where I draw my line. I'm just saying he's doing everything he needs to do as a backup quarterback. And this is a very good position for the Cowboys to be in with him in at QB2, but QB1 in the meantime until Dak comes back. I was going to say, before closing it out, I want to ask you guys who you think will make the top 10. And we could do this very like a rapid fire. Who's going to make your top 10 next week? Who do you think is going to be a breakout guy? Shane, I'll start with you. Well, they're going against Washington, and Washington has had, like, in terms of, like, pass block grades, they've had one of the worst offensive line units in the game through three weeks. Uh, Micah Parsons is an obvious name. Dante Fowler's had a lot of uh, success. He didn't play much tonight, but it's okay because Dorrance Armstrong, like, you couldn't take him off the field. Um, you know, maybe Sam Williams finally gets his first sack of his career. So I'm, I'm going to be uh, I'm gonna be bold and say they finally like, – I'm saying they, that Sam Williams has a good game. I'm going to be bold and say Kevontae Turpin because he was so close to taking it home tonight. You stole He's mine. So That's what close. I was going to do. That is he true. Is so close. <laughs> and you know what? The more they put him in on the offense, I, I think the better. So I'm going with Turbo Turp. I, I, he is so close to busting free, guys. We're going to see him take it all the way home. I firmly believe it, and I'm manifesting it. Brandon, who's your rapid fire? Go. Uh, I was going to go to Cavante Turpin on that. I think it's turbo time. Uh, it, it's, you know, he, he was so close, and if a punter, you know, and the guys will probably rag him about that too. Like, you couldn't get past the punter. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, no, I think it, it's either him and another guy too, Tyler Biotish, I think, has been pretty serviceable so far this season too. So maybe if he has a pretty good game against, it's a stout defensive line that the Washington Commanders have. I can't believe. I mean, hey, maybe next year they'll change their name again. Uh, it's I keep wanting to call them a Washington Football Team, everything else. But yeah, I think uh, I think against a team like that, Tyler Biotish, if he shows up, he'll make the list. All right. Well, there you go. There you have it. Um, I I'm so excited. The Cowboys are in the right direction. It seems like, and and. Uh, Anytime you can end a Monday night football game with a win, you love to see it. Cowboys win 23-16. They are now 2-1. and one. Fellas, thank you so, so much for all of your insights. Shane, we loved having you. You are welcome on the Writer's Block Podcast anytime. Where can the people follow you if they're not already? They can follow me on all my social media networks at Shane Carter TX. They can also find my writing at a to zsports.com. Um, and just before I leave, I wanted to give a shout out to you. I was really proud of you and my girl, Aisha Morrison, for getting that gig with, with the Cowboys. I'm super happy that y'all are getting the opportunity y'all deserve. I love to see people who work hard and see people who earn their opportunities get the opportunities they deserve. And I wish nothing but more success for you. And Brandon, I know you're so new to blogging the boys, but I love what you've been putting out. And I'm, look, I'm excited for what it's moving forward for you. And I appreciate having me on. And y'all better have me on again. 
You're welcome anytime, especially with compliments like that. I'm going to cry. Oh my goodness. Thank you so, so much. You can follow me at JessNavarez underscore on Twitter, where I will be talking my talk all Victory Tuesday, as y'all should. Everybody should be talking their talk because the Cowboys beat the Giants. What more can you want? Brandon, where can we follow you? And hey, we already know we are going to read all your articles on Blogging the Boys, but where can we follow you? I was going to say, I mean, Shane's leaving me speechless here. I mean, he's giving me butterflies. I love it. Uh, you can follow me at, at Brandon is right, and it's W-R-I-T-E, not to be confused with how I usually am, which is R-I-G-H-T. Ooh, facts. All <laughs> right. Well, thank you all so, so much for tuning in. Go enjoy the rest of your Victory Tuesday. Go talk all your talk, especially if you have any Giants fans in your circle, friends, or family. Let them know, and we will talk to you next week. Go Cowboys. Cowboys.